ladies and gentlemen, uh, Your Excellency, <coughs> Your Royal Highness, and uh, honored guests, uh, visitors, uh, staff, interns, newcomers, and uh, veterans. <coughs> Uh, we have a challenging assignment uh, this morning, and this is to uh, focus <clears throat> on a country that the media in, invariably describes as uh, tortured, uh, fractured, in crisis, in dire uh, humanitarian uh, straits. <clears throat> and because, with the exception of uh, uh, former American uh, diplomats who served there, and some perhaps uh, veteran Peace Corps volunteers <coughs> who lived and worked in Yemen and others uh, going back uh, still further. I think I'm one of the latter, having been the, uh, the only American uh, privilege, that's the word, uh, to have lived and worked and served in the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen. Uh, this is the Arab world's, Islamic world's, <coughs> Uh, first and only uh, Marxist-Leninist uh, state. Uh, so many of us have a piece of Yemen uh, in our hearts. And additionally, uh, uh, a significant piece of Saudi Arabia <coughs> in our hearts. And in the case that maybe the majority are Americans here, uh, a piece of the Saudi Arabian-U.S. relationship and the Yemen-American relationship in our hearts. So this will be as much uh, an emotional uh, experience and exposure <coughs> as a cerebral uh, massage. Uh, and we have uh, a situation where uh, children in particular <coughs> are at risk uh, in Yemen, and perhaps we read of them uh, as much, if not more, than the adults. We have a situation where particular diseases are at near if not already epidemic uh, levels with regard to uh, cholera. We have a situation with regard to internally displaced uh, people. We have a situation with regard to uh, external refugees. We have a situation inviting questions about what about the Yemeni community in Saudi Arabia or the Saudi Arabians of Yemeni uh, ancestry. Uh, very large numbers in Jeddah, but really throughout the kingdom, uh, all the way to the eastern province, where some representatives of Saudi Aramco are, are here uh, today. So what kind of an individual <coughs> can we have to help us uh, walk up to these issues and uh, walk, if not wade, uh, uh, through them? Uh, we have, as I can say, Abdullah Rabia uh, as <coughs> a resource uh, specialist uh, this morning. Uh, for the last two and a half years, uh, he's been an advisor uh, to the Royal Court in uh, Riyadh. Uh, <clears throat> previously, uh, he was for five years the Minister of Health in Saudi Arabia's government. Uh, that's no small task. Some of you who follow Saudi Arabian affairs closely will acknowledge that uh, Probably no other ministry has had as many ministers in a short a period of time uh, as the Ministry of Health. But that's since he left, <laughs> not uh, during his time. Uh, as Supervisor General of the King Saul uh, Mahan uh, Humanitarian Aid and Relief uh, Center, 
uh, one may think, well, this is just uh, an ordinary charity, <coughs> and to good deeds and good deals and good works and uh, try to achieve positive public relations. Uh, one can say this about any humanitarian aid and relief project, uh, but this one uh, particularly so because it's it's right now. It's, it's not yesterday, it's right now, it's today, and it looks as though it's going to be uh, for quite a few tomorrows. <clears throat> so what about the, the preparation uh, of someone to uh, prepare for this? Uh, having obtained his most uh, recent advanced uh, education from uh, University of Dalhousie in Halifax in uh, Nova Scotia, uh, where my wife's uh, parents uh, are from. Um, I know lots of Saudi Arabians like to go to uh, the state of Washington in Portland because there's a lot of rain there. Uh, but Nova Scotia is part of the Maritimes. Uh, it's, it's quite wet there. Uh, but uh, before that, he went to the University of Alberta. So he uh, liked extremes of weather, I think. Uh, that one is, is pretty chilly. Uh, and before that, uh, King Solomon University uh, in, uh, in, in Riyadh. Now, he's had uh, assignments with the Saudi Arabian uh, National Guard. He's had uh, positions uh, with the King Faisal Specialist Hospital. Uh, this would be close to the MIT in American frames of reference for uh, science and technology and pushing the boundaries of medical science and healthcare in not just Saudi Arabia and not just in the Arab world, not just in the GCC countries, uh, but the Islamic world. <laughs> He's focused uh, in these positions, on, uh, specialized on uh, cardiac uh, challenges. He's focused on um, cancer uh, uh, issues. He's focused on children's issues. And when I say focus, that's an understatement. He has specialized in these fields and he has led uh, teams of research and, and uh, applied uh, technology and science in all three of these uh, fields. <clears throat> he is best known perhaps nationally and internationally for something else and that is <clears throat> he has supervised some 47 separations of what uh, in Western parlance are known as Siamese twins. Now Siam, for those who are old enough to have seen a movie called The King and I, know that Siam is nowhere near Saudi Arabia. Uh, Thailand, <clears throat> there. But they're conjoined twins. That's the more neutral, objective language for those who are born <laughs> at birth and they're late, uh, either in the forehead or someplace else uh, near it, uh, to their heart. And heretofore, it's been uh, an article of faith that such uh, twins are doomed. And uh, what kind of a parents produced children like that? And what about the children themselves? What kind of a life can they have uh, when not one second during uh, their lifetime can they envision being apart from that, that twin? I mean, it's hard to <coughs> uh, get one's mind boggled around something like this. He has separated 27 
such adjoined twins. And that's, uh, these kinds of uh, individuals from some 19 different countries and some uh, 97 or so cases have been referred uh, to him under his watchful eye and uh, supervision. Uh, he's been much awarded and recognized and acknowledged for his uh, achievements and accomplishments uh, worldwide, uh, regionally uh, by the governments of Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates in addition to his own uh, government, but also Great Britain, uh, the highest award uh, granting institutions there, and by the President of Poland where he was presented with the award of uh, Felix. And Felix, in terms of Yemen specialists, people refer to as Arabia Felix. Uh, there. I don't know if there was any um, linkage there. But here we have someone who's uh, focused also on research. So what kinds of questions might he address? One, on the um, cardiac side of his specialty, what is at the heart of this? On the cancer side of his specialty, uh, what is spreading and how far and how rapid and how urgent uh, need uh, attention uh, be to that? And on the children's specialization, uh, likewise, more than half of all of Yemen's uh, people population inhabitant citizens are under the age of uh, 25, and half of those are under the age of 15, and therefore not in the economically active uh, working age uh, population. Uh, but in terms of being president of the uh, university systems for research centers, uh, how can you, sir, help us in terms of answering the question of, of what is really going on? Please join me in welcoming Dr. Abdullah Rabia. Dr. John Anthony, Your Highness, Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen. Let me start by appreciating uh, the uh, extremely nice comments that you have uh, presented on my behalf. I wish I can live to those expectations. And let me also share with you your feelings about Yemen and Saudi Arabia. They are in your heart. And let me tell you, you are in our heart also, being living in, in, in the region and also being so much attached uh, to the region. Uh, also, let me address the issue of Canada. Yes, I lived in Canada seven years, and I always mention that if uh, the life of a person is 70 years average, 10 is t uh, seven years is 10% uh, of, of my life has been in, in Canada, and I owe Canada a lot. And also, uh, I wish I can bring you red lobster from Halifax, but I came from Riyadh. So the only thing that I can bring you from Riyadh is, is a bit of uh, hot sun. Uh, and Alberta, yes, you are right. I left Riyadh with a temperature of uh, plus uh, 45 Celsius, and in a few months it was minus 45 in, in Edmonton. That's the life of uh, uh, that's my life in Canada. Now, saying that, I wish I also what you have mentioned, uh, Dr. John, 
uh, about my relations to hearts, children, and also mothers, because you cannot treat children without mothers, uh, is reflected in my work towards Yemen, and I'm sure you'll see it in this presentation. Coming back from an academic institute, uh, I would like to use a PowerPoint presentation. So let us start by addressing uh, Saudi Arabia in general. Saudi Arabia has been in the frontier uh, of aid to, to, to the international community. And in two decades, there has been generous donations close to 66 billion US dollars globally. Now, as you all know, that the target 0.7% required by the UN for aid, Saudi Arabia has always either met or exceeded that uh, significantly. Uh, and just to show you, Dr. John, you mentioned about refugees. Saudi Arabia, in addition to more than two and a half million Yemenis living in Saudi Arabia, has accommodated since the conflict 603,000 uh, Yemenis and also 291,000 Syrian refugees in Saudi Arabia. Uh, if, you, if you add them together, uh, this reflects 4.5% of the Saudi nationals. So 4.5% of the Saudi nationals are refugees from two countries. Now, I'm sure all of you know the humanitarian situation in Yemen. I don't need to address it more. The population is 27 million. 20 million are in need of, of uh, humanitarian assistance. And also, uh, the, those who are in acute need are close to 9.8 million, and uh, so on and so forth. Also, the humanitarian situation in Yemen shows that the uh, response plan that has been uh, required by the UN, 2.3 billion, only 42% of that has been uh, addressed by the international community. So there is a great demand for more uh, donation and support for Yemen. Now, also continuing on the humanitarian need that the, there is, uh, these, these are from the uh, OCHA records, that 4.3 million of people have been assisted, and monthly, WFP is helping 2.5 through KS Relief, a million people have been helped. And we are working as an organization with uh, 86 uh, 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 NGOs uh, or, or UN organizations. So let's address KS Relief. Let me just go back to the, what you mentioned, Dr. John, about KS Relief. Uh, this center has been inaugurated on the 13th of May 2015 by uh, the custodian of the two holy mosques. King Salman is very close to, to uh, aid and humanitarian work when he was governor of Riyadh. So one of his very earliest projects is to establish this center with the aim to reunite the work of Saudi Arabia when it comes to aid with the international community. And I was charged uh, to be the supervisor general. Since the inception of the center, uh, we have uh, executed 231 projects in uh, 38 countries with a budget of 761 million US dollars. Now, going back to the contributions related to Yemen. For the last two and a half years, Saudi Arabia has uh, supported Yemen with 8.27 billion US dollars uh, between uh, humanitarian aid to supporting the central bank, 
to supporting Yemeni refugees and also the bilateral government aid. So we are uh, on the top list of those who are supporting Yemen when it comes to aid and humanitarian work. I'm sure I didn't need to teach you about the map of Yemen, especially you, uh, Dr. John. This is the map of Yemen, but the, the red color shows you the areas of acute need when it comes to humanitarian uh, aid. Now, addressing KS relief, uh, we have executed in Yemen 153 projects, uh, amounting 629 million, and we have more to come in the remaining part of this year. We have been abiding from day one with the international humanitarian uh, law. We have been showing that we have been working impartial in Yemen as much as we have helped the northern side, we have helped the south. So we do not differentiate between the region uh, or government and who controls that area. Uh, our partners are UN organizations, international NGOs, <coughs> and also local uh, NGOs. Our work has been in the areas of food security, shelter uh, uh, sector, health sector projects, and also other humanitarian uh, sectors. If you look, if we go to the food security and shelter, we have executed uh, in Yemen 59 projects with the beneficiaries cumulative of 22 million. <coughs> if you look at the regions in front of you, uh, you will find that uh, we are uh, addressing the... Uh, the point is not working this, but anyway, you can see Sahda, uh, Sana'a, Hajja are being, uh, has not been forgotten in our work. Uh, also, when we talk about education, which is very important, especially when we talk about children, and protection and early recovery, we have executed 18 projects worth uh, 76 million years ago. And also when we talk about uh, medical nutrition uh, and, and the wash projects, we have executed 66 projects with the cumulative beneficiaries of uh, 72 million uh, and also uh, a budget of 240 million years ago. And also when we talk about the uh, uh, emergency and logistics 10 projects with also uh, uh, 15 million uh, beneficiaries. Now, uh, the Yemeni refugees, you may ask me, what are we doing for them? We have been very careful to ensure that we are having, uh, allowing them to access free health system in Saudi Arabia, and also their children, uh, they can access free uh, public uh, education, and also they have been given the uh, opportunity to, for uh, employment in Saudi Arabia. One of the projects that we have done, which is uh, unique for us, which is the repatriation program, which is for those Yemenis who are stuck either because of education or health in other countries, and we managed to repatriate them back to their homeland uh, uh, from different parts of the world, uh, including uh, as east as Japan and as west uh, as uh, Egypt. Now, cholera, Dr. John, you have mentioned cholera. Uh, since the call for cholera, KS relief started immediately to act, and immediately after 
Uh, we have heard about it, we communicated with WHO and UNICEF and also uh, IMC and we have uh, uh, first of all mobilized convoys to carry medical supplies to all governments of Yemen and also we have supported the uh, appeal by WHO and UNICEF uh, of 66.7 million US dollars and also we have supported also uh, WHO uh, with another 8.2 million US dollars and a total of 76 million US dollars uh, to show to help Yemenis get rid of this uh, epidemic. Uh, I want to tell you that we have seen in the last several weeks decline both in mortality and numbers uh, of cholera cases. We hope that will continue to come to zero cases. Also. Uh, uh, <clears throat> projects, we know that the most vulnerable uh, of all are uh, women and children. So we have concentrated on projects for women and children. Globally, we have executed 103 projects directed to women uh, uh, with a budget of close to 160 million US dollars. Out of those, 68 projects were executed for the women of, of Yemen in all regions uh, of Yemen. Also children, uh, child-focused projects that we have executed over the last two years, 116 projects uh, in, 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 with a budget of 262 billion, uh, uh, sorry, million US dollars. Uh, and out of those 80 projects were uh, directed to the children uh, of Yemen. One of the, you mentioned conjoined twins, so I don't want to leave this podium without talking about conjoined twins not because of the program, but because it's relation to Yemen. We have received to date 101 uh, cases of conjoined twins, and we have successfully separated 42 uh, cases from 20 countries and three continents. The map shows those countries that have received uh, care for conjoined twins. However, Yemen, and during the conflict, we have received from the city of Saada, which is the hub of the Houthis, a set of conjoined twins uh, uh, the, uh, the custodian of the two holy mosques directed us at the center to bring them in spite of the challenges and difficulty. We have uh, separated the twins and brought a smile uh, on the face of both uh, parents. During the siege of Taiz, also, we have a parasitic twin uh, from Taiz, also with a directive from King Salman. We brought uh, the child and also uh, performed the surgery and went back uh, in a safe circumstances. We have another parasitic twin waiting uh, that I hope when I go back we'll be able to also uh, do this case uh, uh, in the coming few weeks. Now, we all hear about the uh, armed children <coughs> in Yemen. Uh, I'm sure you have seen the latest report issued uh, by many organizations and including the UN. Uh, the Houthi militias have uh, uh, used close to uh, 20,000 children as an armed children in the conflict. And the center started actively with uh, local and international NGOs <coughs> to uh, hope to uh, rehabilitate those children in the DDR program. And I just want to show you that we have managed now to uh, completely rehabilitate 2,000 children this is their pictures before. I just want you to see what they use for them, the gas, 
and also chewing uh, tobacco. They, are, they have been used uh, and given by the Houthis to those children uh, in order to attract them to, the, uh, uh, to, to be uh, armed children. These are some, some of our programs, education, and also we want to bring them to, to their childhood hobbies and toys. Now, the mode of transportation access has been uh, an, an issue for uh, all humanitarian agencies. We have used all access ports, air, land, and sea. Uh, we have used uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, airport of Adan and Sukhatra for more than two, uh, two, uh, 20 planes. We have also used the uh, sea uh, convoys to the port of Adan, and also we have used also the uh, trucks, I think the land uh, access points between Saudi Arabia and Yemen has been a great add to our center to uh, use more than close to 1900 trucks carrying both medical and food supplies to Yemen. But in situations where there are big challenges, we have used in, in the city of uh, Taj, when it was under complete siege, there has been big issue about oxygen cylinders, and four hospitals were about to collapse because nobody can bring oxygen to them. So with a great uh, efficient NGO, local NGO, we managed to use camels and donkeys to carry oxygen cylinders. We cannot airdrop them, we cannot send trucks, so you have to think uh, and primitive ways, although they are primitive, sometimes they are genius. The airdrop program also managed to break the siege of Taiz, and we managed to use the collision airplanes, uh, airplanes to airdrop medical supplies and food supplies for Taiz. Now, uh, I'm sure all of you know that Saudi Arabia has acknowledged completely the first flash appeal of 274 million US dollars, which was completely signed and agreed and executed with the eight uh, uh, great partners from the UN. <coughs> now, the uh, current uh, flash appeal, as you know, it's 2.3. Saudi Arabia has committed 150 million during the uh, Geneva uh, meeting, and we have already actually surpassed that number. We have already uh, executed 221.5.9 uh, million. Uh, dollars, which is already being funded uh, according to the FTS uh, program. What are the challenges? I think all of you want to listen to what are the challenges, and I'm sure challenges are important, but before we go to the challenges, we should go back to the history of Yemen. I'm sure Dr. Uh, John, you know the history of Yemen. This is prior to 2014, so prior to the uh, issues that are happening now. Yemen has been on the poverty uh, uh, line and lack of uh, viable livelihood program, which is endemic in Yemen. It was the poorest country uh, in the Middle East with 54% under poverty line. Their GDP, as you can see, it, it's uh, uh, less than $1,200. Uh, $1, and also uh, around 40% of Yemenis were uh, food insecure and children, 45% of children uh, uh, are uh, under the age of five are uh, malnourished. 
the same thing. I'm sure uh, those numbers are actually published by OHS, not by us. And it shows that uh, uh, those who are needing WASH program at that time in 2014, more than 13 million, and people who are actually lacking basic health uh, services are uh, close to 8.6 million, and people who are actually food insecure were 10.5 million uh, as per the report of OCHA. What are the other challenges? Number one, all of us agree on it, which is funding. We only have 42% of the funding, uh, and we always call for upon the international community to join the efforts of the US, Saudi Arabia, and Great Britain to uh, continue support the humanitarian needs uh, of Yemen. Uh, another challenge which I addressed during my visit to New York, to the UN, is the location of the UN offices. Most of those offices are in Sana'a, and they use local employees, so naturally they will be uh, motivated by the local political uh, incentives. Uh, and uh, uh, we have uh, encouraged the UN uh, to, have the, to decentralize their offices, not only in Sana'a, but to have offices in Sana'a, Aden, Hudayda, Ta'az, other places, so that they will see the bigger picture uh, of uh, Yemen. And the last but not least is the access, which is because of the blockage and confiscation. Now, these reports, uh, as you can see uh, from, from the number, these are uh, from the Yemeni High Relief Committee, uh, which has shown that uh, there has been violation of the international humanitarian law by the Houthi militias. 65 ships have been confiscated, 124 relief convoys, uh, 628 uh, trucks have been confiscated, and so on. But also aggression and violation against UN agencies by the uh, militias, uh, where five major incidents in Sana'a, four in Ta'iz, uh, two in, in Hajja, two in Hudayda, two in Ibb, and one in Adam. Now, I have taken this from the reports of OCHA and also EHOC. The clearances by uh, the uh, EHOC uh, were close to 14,444 between air, sea, land uh, clearances. And I always say that we should not forget the ports of Yemen. I'll show you the map. I'll stop here. I will not show you now. I'll talk about it in the map. But let's carry on about the clearances. These are the uh, UN uh, and international organization clearances as requested by them and as uh, acknowledged by the uh, EHOC. And also this continues about the clearances. Also the non-strike uh, zone uh, the coalition, they have affirmed to us as an organization that they are very cautious uh, and they are co uh, coordinating with the UN and international organizations. There are a total of 40,000 non-strike locations. 20,000 of them uh, are by the UN organization's coordination process. This is the map I wanted to show you. People always in the media talk about Hudaydah, and they forget about the rest of the uh, ports. <coughs> Dr. John, you know how many ports in Yemen. I don't need to tell you, but there are nine ports in Yemen. Hudaydah is one of them. 
and from our data, which is also the data received from OCHA, uh, uh, there is misconception. It's 90%, they say 90% goes through Hodeida. Truly, it's 40% goes through Hodeida. The rest goes uh, by the other ports. So yes, we should continue to support Hodeida, but we should not forget supporting the other ports uh, in Yemen, uh, which is Mocha, Salif, Ras, uh, Isa, uh, Adam, uh, and you, uh, uh, so on and so forth. But we should not also forget Jizan in Saudi Arabia. Jizan is much closer to Saada than any other port. And we have told our partners, use us as KS Relief, either by the land or by the sea. We will help you access humanitarian supplies uh, through Saudi Arabia. So we should not just say Hudaida is not enough and just watch. We have other alternatives. Yes, go ahead, improve Hudaida, but till that happens, let's use the other very important and probably closer ports that are available. Now let me conclude here by few recommendations. Uh, we, I think, as an international community, we should support the uh, uh, legitimate go uh, Yemeni government to carry its humanitarian role. Uh, role. Uh, UN and international pressure is highly needed towards the access of humanitarian supply. More attention also should be executed towards resilience efforts. We should not forget about the decentralization of relief of uh, efforts, especially UN organization office and international NGO offices. And we should always consider all available and potential uh, access points. Being a pediatric surgeon, I will not forget more attention on projects to our children and mothers. These are some of our valuable partners that we cannot do our work without them. And we appreciate their efforts with us. And I always say my time is over. Thank you for your, yours. to see things not just from an American or 
external perspective, but to the extent that is uh, humanly, psychologically possible to project oneself into the so-called shoes, souls, situations of another people. Uh, how else can one hope to uh, understand? <clears throat> uh, one certainly would be limited by going at it only from the outside in instead of also from the inside out. Now, in these questions, as I read through them quickly, is this kind of a challenge for Americans, <clears throat> that we tend to look at others as uh, objects, to be controlled, understood, manipulated, influenced, uh, aligned, maligned, uh, more than we look at others as actors also with their own legitimate needs, their own legitimate rights, their own legitimate interests, their own legitimate goals. Uh, so absent, and most of the questions I quickly read through, is this uh, shortcoming on the American side <clears throat> and a challenge in, in front of us. And I say this frankly, uh, because perhaps others will not say this frankly. Um, so here we go. What is, you have answered it really, but let's see if you want to add to your response. Uh, what is the likelihood that Saudi Arabia <coughs> uh, should and will uh, absorb, assume, the entire cost, mere no mere, uh, <coughs> of the uh, challenges in uh, Yemen? Because the, uh, not just the media, perspective but in this building here. Um, there is a view among increasing numbers of members of that Congress, much of Shulk, that um, America should stop and cut <coughs> all of its uh, strategic, especially defense, cooperation with the kingdom until and unless uh, Saudi Arabia stops. And then they, they finish the sentence, stops bombings, stops hitting civilians, stops prolonging the war, stops this, stops that, stops this. That's the uh, first question. Can I ask? Yes. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank uh, those who have addressed uh, some questions and uh, also appreciate their time to listen to me. And I will be more than happy to address any question that has been raised. Uh, I hear the comment uh, that has been raised by a few people about uh, Saudi Arabia absorbing the entire cost, especially when it comes to humanitarian aid. But uh, Saudi Arabia is not different than any other country in the world. Saudi Arabia has participated uh, significantly in the humanitarian work in Afghan conflict, has been also working uh, heavily in the Iraq conflict, and uh, presently it's uh, uh, heavily involved in the Syrian conflict. I see no reason why Saudi Arabia would be different when it comes to Yemen. Saudi Arabia is number one donor to Yemen as we speak, and I wish other countries would follow uh, Saudi Arabia. So that's uh, what it comes at. Unless there is a law by the UN to be, um, to be passed for all countries, then Saudi Arabia should not be different and should not be treated differently. When it comes to the cut uh, on the strategic cooperation, especially uh, the military 
sales until we stop bombing. I think, uh, first of all, the relationship between Saudi Arabia uh, and the U.S. has been strong and has been historical over the years. And uh, Saudi Arabia did not go to Yemen to kill people, did not, did not go to Yemen to harm children, did not go to Yemen to harm women. Saudi Arabia has worked through the uh, UN laws. Uh, we have uh, uh, gone through uh, uh, the UN resolution 2216 uh, uh, and also through the uh, Yemeni uh, uh, dialogue uh, outcome and also through the GCC initiative with the aim to restore and bring what the Yemeni people requested, which is uh, their voted government. Uh, now, uh, the uh, interference in Yemen has been not by Saudi Arabia, has been actually by a country which has created another militias. I'm sure all of you know Hamas, all of you know Hezbollah, and who supports them. It's exactly the same uh, in Yemen. Uh, Houthi militias are supported by Iran, and we should not shy from saying that. And uh, Iran is creating another militia group uh, in, in Yemen to, ru to rule this country in the same way that Hezbollah and Hamas are working in other countries. So Arabia is trying to bring the international law to Yemen and also uh, fighting uh, Al-Qaeda and Daesh uh, in, in Yemen. And uh, the U.S. is, is, is uh, uh, part of the 18 uh, partners in that, and we hope that together we can bring peace and prosperity uh, to Yemen. So I think uh, this relation between U.S. and Saudi Arabia should continue, and without this relation and support, we cannot bring Yemen back to its happy old days that we have seen the money or, uh, in Yemen. If I interpret the answer correctly, um, it has to do with uh, the need for ongoing uh, multilateral cooperation, <coughs> engagement, and involvement, and pledging, and uh, assistance uh, uh, to Yemen in terms of its challenges. Let me, if I may, run through the questions, all of them, quickly, so you have a, a feeling uh, for them, and you can choose the ones that you want. Some of them may overlap. <coughs> How long will it take to, uh, there are about six, seven, eight right here. Uh, that I, How long will it take to repair the basic infrastructure that has been destroyed by airstrikes during Saudi Arabia's years of military operations? <coughs> if there's no answer to that, perhaps just uh, an informed guess or an educated estimation. <coughs> How do Saudi Arabia and our expenditures for humanitarian aid to Yemen compare to Saudi Arabia's expenditures for military operations in the country? Um, please recognize that at the end of last month, some 57 human rights groups came together petitioning for an impartial examination of the Yemen conflict to judge if the Saudi Arabian-led coalition has violated international humanitarian law through unlawful airstrikes and other military measures. 
what is the likelihood that there will be such an examination? And if the United Nations moves forward, how soon might one expect to see inspectors on the ground? Um, will you or have you considered providing aid to the U.S. Uh, hurricane uh, victims as you did uh, before to the uh, victims of uh, Katrina uh, several years ago in uh, the area of New Orleans where in the tens of millions you contributed as did Qatar, as did Kuwait, as did Abu Dhabi. Uh, so that's the question uh, related to the last two weeks of Spohain Elephant. Many claim that the violence in Yemen is being facilitated by the massive influx into the country from Saudi, influx of arms into the country from Saudi Arabia, the world's second largest importer of small arms. Here's a question of empathy. The United States being, together with Yemen, the world's largest possessor of arms. <coughs> uh, that's not a question. <coughs> and other coalition members sending arms into the country. What is the likelihood that exporting countries like the United States will reevaluate sales of weapons to the Saudi Arabian-led coalition forces as a result of the knowledge of the mistakes the coalition forces are making on the ground in Yemen? I made reference to this in opening remarks. To what extent does the destruction of infrastructure from coalition airstrikes limit the effective distribution of aid within Yemen? I think you put a very clear um, picture, one slide after another, of what we're talking about when we say infrastructure. Most people don't define what infrastructure is. Uh, but here, if I saw the slide correctly, talking about health, and um, water sanitation uh, in a big uh, case, but of course, security, stability, and education and safety have to do with this also. So to what extent does the destruction of infrastructure from coalition airstrikes limit the effective distribution of aid within the Yemen? And you can see people have been reading reading uh, overwhelmingly, it seems, the American media. Can you talk more about uh, King Salman uh, relief and humanitarian aid to Yemen by land? Again, that was a slide that showed it's not just through Al-Qaeda, some 40%, but the majority comes through five or six other uh, ports of entry. Uh, what are the most used routes other than Al-Hudayda. And um, is it likely that the use of Hudayda will go down and the use of the other ports increase? And can't you comment on the import of aid through Hudayda, where the Hotes or their supporters uh, seize the aid uh, before it gets to either the capital or its intended uh, users and confiscate it to use for themselves, to keep people with them, or to recruit new members.
to that cause. Um, what response? I mean, put yourself in the shoes of uh, people trying to get aid to the end user when you cannot get it to the end user. What do you do? Okay. What responsibility does the government of Saudi Arabia have for the cholera epidemic in Yemen that has affiliated over 600,000 people? How frequently do images of malnourished children appear in broadcast viewed by Saudi Arabian citizens? In other words, this is a question for empathy, uh, not just looking at it from an American perspective, but what about inside of Saudi Arabia? Uh, what images do they have? I think that's an excellent question. Um, Please clarify further what you had to say about the whole data port. Is it 40% of commercial goods or humanitarian goods that go through that port or both? Um, another one, given the conflict zone uh, along the border between Yemen and Saudi Arabia, how feasible is it actually to transport large quantities of humanitarian assistance from Al Jazan port to the populations in need in the north of Yemen. Uh, one of your maps uh, was very instructive in showing that the overwhelming <coughs> concentration of the need is in the western part of the country, including uh, Hajar Assad, Hajar Abudeda and then inland to Shabwa and uh, Behan and other areas, but not so much the Hadramah or Makra state as you go towards Oman. Uh, most people are not aware of that. Um, uh, could you comment, uh, uh, is it likely to spread or even lessen narrow uh, that area of the West? How have the comments of President Donald Trump concerning the Muslim ban affected the humanitarian gifts to Yemen? Uh, this is the first one about President Trump. I forgot to mention in the introductory remarks that His Excellency has published 104 articles in internationally refereed journals. I mean, I think it, the totality of the scholars in this audience wouldn't have published more than 20, uh, 104, and then four books. So uh, I can see you're taking notes, um, and uh, a sense of humor does one assume that you will trump uh, the White House in this regard. <laughs> uh, um, how do you assess coordinating mechanisms between domestic and international partners? How can it be improved? Maybe you answered that too, but you can elaborate. How do you see Saudi Arabia or King Salman relief and humanitarian aid playing a role in Yemen's post-conflict reconstruction plans? Or will it continue to focus only on humanitarian activities? Um, and there was one other one here. Uh, please place in context that some 10,000 
the Yemenis had been killed since 2014. Uh, in comparison to close more than 300,000, some say as high as 500,000, excuse me, uh, uh, five, yes, uh, five million, excuse me, three to five million people killed in Syria over a period twice as long from 2011. In other words, where is the context? 10 million, uh, uh, 10,000 killed in Yemen since 2014, a minimum of 300,000 killed in Syria since 2011. So Syria would have 30 times as many conflicts as Yemen, and yet the media would suggest that it's worse in Yemen than in Syria, or well, some people might interpret it that way. Um, I can read again any of these for greater clarity, um, but uh, I leave it to you to guide us. Uh, thank you very much, first of all. I want to, again to thank uh, those who have sent questions, and I will do my best to address uh, as many as I can based on time uh, allowance. Uh, there is a question that you have mentioned, and I hope I took the notes very carefully, and excuse me if I didn't. How long to repair the infrastructure uh, that has happened? Uh, let me start by saying that uh, uh, there is misconception that every uh, infrastructure has been damaged by the car mission. But remember, there are, there are also armed militias who attack uh, infrastructures, hospitals, uh, schools, and use them uh, for their uh, not only armed but armed children. And Taiz is a very good example, and you have seen the reports that has been issued by the human rights organizations last week. And now, I don't have an answer, but I can tell you that uh, the uh, Saudi Arabia, through its history of decades of support to Yemen, many of the infrastructures in Yemen has been actually built by Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm sure if you ask Yemenis, they will answer that. Uh, hospital of Sa'da, which is the Houthi city, is being built by Saudi Arabia. Hospital of Hajjah, which is a Houthi city, is being built by Saudi Arabia. And many schools. So Saudi Arabia uh, is there to help Yemen. There are very strong historical relations between Yemenis and Saudis, uh, between family, uh, marital, uh, friendship, commercial, you name it. And that's why we have in, in Saudi Arabia, as we speak, more than 3 million Yemenis living in Saudi Arabia and treated extremely well. Now, uh, uh, also I want to add, Saudi Arabia already has money allocated for rebuilding Yemen in Yemen. Not only that, they have already, we have already uh, established a center for the rebuilding of Yemen. This is how much Saudi Arabia is, is uh, taking care of Yemen. The second question is, uh, uh, how does uh, do Saudi Arabia uh, wants to uh, compare the aid versus military? I'm sure if you've seen the numbers, uh, uh, I would say our aid to Yemen is very, very, uh, 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 very uh, high. 
it's it's actually it, it it is not more it's not less than its expenditure on, on the military we are very supportive of yemen across all regions now there are 57 human rights uh, organizations that are uh, uh, they want to have an examination on the violation of uh, the international humanitarian law uh, i can tell you that uh, the center from day one we have been abiding with the international humanitarian law uh, the reports from the coalition has been very clearly stated that they when, uh, they are uh, abiding with the with the law there are many investigations of any uh, mishaps or mistakes that have happened uh, and there are uh, independent uh, 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 committees for each uh, incident and we are co coordinating with the uh, many of the uh, UN organizations in, in those. Now, Saudi Arabia is not different than any other country in a, in a conflict, so we will follow the international law. Uh, the likelihood of uh, uh, the uh, examination, how soon will that affect the inspection? Am I correct in that? Yes. Uh, Yes, yes, on the uh, military part, yes. I think our military will continue to execute its work according to the laws that are abiding uh, uh, the law of, of, of uh, uh, in that regard. I think they are very careful. They're coordinating with their uh, allies and partners, and we will continue to do so. Uh, the question that about Saudi aid when it comes to hurricane victims, uh, we have always been uh, strong. Uh, we value our relation with the U.S. not only at the political side but also at the national side. And I'm sure Saudi Arabia we would love to help those who are in need from the uh, uh, hurricanes. We actually see that in the media uh, with really a sorrow, and our hearts are with the Americans. And if there is uh, an opportunity to help, we would love to help at the government level and international uh, level. And as far as I know, even the students uh, of Saudi Arabia who are uh, studying in the U.S. have joined hand in hand to help support uh, the victims uh, of the hurricane. So by all means, my answer is yes, we will help. Will, will the violations affect the influx of arm, uh, arms to Saudi Arabia? Uh, uh, and, and also the exporting countries will stop sending uh, or selling arms to Saudi Arabia? I hope not, because we are not invading a country. We are helping a country to restore stability. Uh, and I want to repeat what I have said. These are militia groups. I, I'm sure you don't want to see a militia group uh, come and invade uh, a country near the U.S. and also pose a threat to the U.S. It's exactly the same in Saudi Arabia. We have a militias supported by uh, a country like Iran who want to uh, uh, bring uh, instability in the region. Saudi Arabia is trying to bring uh, stability to Yemen, prosperity to the people, and help them go back uh, to uh, uh, their own business uh, and live in peace. So we are not invading Yemen, we are supporting Yemen
to restore stability. And I hope that doesn't reflect in, by any means on the relation of Saudi Arabia uh, with the US. The extent of the destruction on the infrastructure uh, and uh, would it affect the aid delivery? Uh, I think I am from a, a, an aid organization and we did not find difficulty to reach areas unless there is a stoppage by the militias. But even by that, we managed to reach Saga, we managed to reach, reach uh, Hajja, Sana'a. So it's the issue whether you want to look all alternatives. Uh, I feel that, I don't think there is, the, the infrastructure itself has hindered the movement of, of aid to all regions of Yemen. The, the, the hindrance is when there are militias under no control, they stop and steal and confiscate convoys. So uh, we will be more than happy to help the NGOs. I'm sure there are groups of NGOs here, uh, and we, we value the relation. We will be more than happy to coordinate with them to uh, uh, send aid to all regions of Yemen, and I mean all regions uh, of Yemen, and especially the land borders, uh, giving us a very uh, ample uh, opportunity to reach all regions of Yemen. Uh, they want me to talk about uh, the case, it's an extension question of case relief by uh, uh, land. As I mentioned, uh, we have uh, two uh, land access points, big ones. We use them extensively. We have helped some of the NGOs and some countries to uh, uh, send their aids through Saudi Arabia, and we would love to help uh, all partner organizations to reach those in need uh, in Yemen. Uh, what are the most uh, used routes other than Hudaydah? Uh, I think I have clarified that very well in the presentation. Uh, land, uh, sea, uh, airports are available, and I think partners should coordinate. I think the biggest issue of all aid is the good coordination. If we coordinate, we have 86 organizations working with us. If we sit and coordinate, and I know OCHA is doing that, but we need to do more than that. If we coordinate, we will be able to reach all regions of Yemen and help the Yemenis recover from their uh, uh, difficult situation. Now, uh, on the import of April data, who uh, is top aid and use it for other causes? Yes, that's. Not my report, that's the report from UN organizations and international organizations. And I have heard reports from organizations that they pay up to 100,000 US dollars through the port of Hodeida. And you can take this from me. And th this money is used to kill Yemeni people. Whether we like it or not, that's happening. And the other question that has, is coming, I will address it now, is about the ratios in Hudaydah. We have investigated that through the reports, and I have presented this in front of Stephen O'Brien uh, two or three weeks ago. The materials, I'm talking about commercial and humanitarian in Hudaydah, the biggest uh, goods, commercial goods are going through Hudaydah are cars, 
trucks and building material. And you can check that, and you can double check it. Uh, and humanitarian aid, it's equal between Aden and, and Hudaydah. But we should not forget the other routes. If we want to reach easy, we should look at the closest port, safe and available we should use. There's another question about who is responsible for cholera. I would address it as a doctor. Let me just use the hat of a doctor or the ultra. We wear ultra, so let's use the ultra of a doctor. Uh, I have visited Yemen, probably when you were there, as a doctor, three times. I went to help train doctors of Yemen. That's 2000 and or five, I went three times in three consecutive years. The infrastructures of Yemen is very poor. Health system is extremely poor. And I, if there is an epidemiologist with us here, he will tell us clearly that cholera has been an endemic in Yemen. It's not happened yesterday. It's been there for years. And both cholera and malaria. And we know that because when I was a minister of health, we were supporting Yemen to fight malaria and, and cholera. So this is not something new. So they have a very poor health system, and naturally they have also a very poor water supply system. Now with the conflict, this has been aggravated, naturally. In addition, and we have representation from IMC here, we have tried to help the public health programs by trying to improve it, especially in the governance controlled by the Houthis, we have been prevented. So the cholera epidemic, most of it is in the Houthi controlled areas because of the uh, poor public health programs, including waste disposal, including chlorination of water. We try to help, but there is prevention for us. I'm not accusing intentional uh, where, but one should put suspicion. Now, cholera has happened by multi, multiple factors, and we were there to help from day one till now. Uh, as we speak, our uh, workers and our valuable partners are working to combat cholera. Uh, thanks for their good efforts that the decline. The last report I received yesterday, the mortalities has dropped 70%, which is good and the incidence rate has uh, dropped close to 40%. We hope in a few months to see no cholera in Yemen. Now, do Saudis see the malnutrition and situations in, in, in Yemen? Yes, they do. Watch the Saudi channels, you will see that. We watch it and that's why there is a lot of donation, by the way. I did not talk about the public donations from Saudis. Millions of, of dollars are from Saudi people because of what they see in Yemen. So the, uh, uh, the public campaign from Saudi Arabia, both businessmen and non-businessmen, uh, they come and approach the center and we execute programs on their behalf because we are very cautious about the movement of money at the center. We want to be transparent. We want it to be used through our partners to ensure that no abuse or misuse of the money. I already clarified for data. 
question. Tell us about the feasibility of using Jizan and other forms. The feasibility, um, I think we have mentioned this, and uh, I met with uh, some of the UN and also uh, valuable partners, including USAID in Geneva meeting, and we offered our help to use other ports, including Jizan uh, and Jeddah if needed, and the land ports for our partners. I think it's quite feasible, you've seen from the map, it's very close to Sahda than any other port, and through the center, uh, with the coordination process, especially the military civilian coordination office, we would be more than happy to help our partners, which I think it's quite feasible, and it's a good potential to uh, access those uh, uh, governments which are close to the borders of Saudi Arabia. Now, has the Trump anti-Muslim ban uh, affected the support of Yemen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The support of Yemen has continued uh, uh, and without any any influence. And, uh, <coughs> Post-conflict, how will Saudi Arabia and KSVB, we will be involved, as I mentioned to you earlier. There is already uh, a, a center, uh, which is the rebuilding center for Yemen. It's been established. There is uh, a team in that center. They are meeting with the uh, Ministry of Planning of Yemen and also with the World Bank, planning to ensure that there will be an international uh, coordinated process to rebuild uh, Yemen, and we hope to see that soon. Thank you for bringing the numbers of, of mortalities. I think that you asked, you actually answered all the questions by that. Whoever said 10,000 versus 500,000, tells you how much we are very careful about our targets. This is an answer that in two and a half years, and by the way, the 10,000 are not from the coalition, by the way. I would say most of them are from the Houthis. So that tells you that we are very cautious, and that tells you that we are using the arms extremely carefully. We don't want to see civilians uh, damn, uh, affected. We don't want to see children. As much as it affects your hearts, it affects our hearts. As much as it brings tears to your eyes, it brings tears to our eyes. And I have met two weeks ago when I was in New York with Ms. Gamba uh, uh, from the UN, uh, from the Secretary General Office, and I told her how much programs we are uh, paying attention to children and protecting children. And we are actually starting with our office as early as October 29th, uh, workshops and programs to ensure that the coalition forces are also conscious about uh, child protection and, and safety of both children and mothers. So we are very con conscious, we are aware, and we are coordinating very uh, closely with our partners, especially the I think I answered all the questions. If I missed any, uh, please forgive me. Well, uh, that you even took clear notes from the questions as rapidly as I uh, asked them, that uh, itself was quite impressive, sir. Uh, there are these additional ones, and I'll go through them quickly uh, with your permission there. I hope that the people from the media here, I mean, where else are you going to get this uh, general 
uh, old view of knowledge. Where else can you get this uh, specificity of detail? Where else can you get this clarification? Where else can you get this kind of candor uh, or information that is hard to come by or even impossible to come by uh, elsewhere? So uh, uh, this is the aspects of a gold mine of an opportunity. I know some of you are here from the media. Uh, I wish all of you uh, were here from the media. <laughs> you can see from the questions, uh, and maybe you can correct me if you have a different perspective, that, that there are some hundreds of thousands of Yemenis who live in the United States. They've been here for more than a century, and they are virtually in every state and every major uh, city and they have made major contributions to America's uh, national uh, development uh, processes. Uh, the number of Saudi Arabians living and working in the United States uh, would be fewer than 1,000, and that would include the diplomatic corps and the consular corps. Uh, a reason, in the case of the former, you put your finger on it, uh, endemic poverty and uh, lack of opportunity in Yemen, on one hand, and uh, push, let's push, and pull from those who came before Michigan and other places saying, come on, come here. The streets are paved with gold in America. You have an opportunity here you will not have if you stay at home. Versus the situation with Saudi Arabians where over 60 years of Saudi Ravens coming to America for training, for education, for leadership, development, for technical certificates. Um, maybe five or six have stayed behind and uh, brain drain. And those were men because their wives said, I'm not going now. <laughs> uh, so there's an enormous difference as to where many of the audiences are coming from regarding what they think is knowledge and understanding, when the reality is quite uh, different. Um, now, these additional questions, um, you can answer any of them. Uh, one, uh, what about Oman? Uh, Oman, we read, has been trying to play in the shadows, though a role of mediation, compromise, facilitation uh, between and among uh, Houthis, uh, forces royal to Ali Abdullah Saleh, the former president, um, those representatives of uh, the legitimate president of uh, Yemen, uh, Mr. Ali Hadi, um, have its efforts had no results worthy of reporting? Have they um, contributed? If they have, how? If they haven't, what's going on? Oman has been so successful behind the scenes and other issues, Somalia, Iran, uh, and the like. Uh, that's one. And what about the GCC? Uh, early on, uh, Secretary General uh, uh, Abdul bin Rashid Al Ziyani could not have been more active with uh, Yemenis and others to try to find a, a compromise or a peaceful solution. And the impact of the GCC countries on the United Nations. You mentioned UN Security Council 2116. Um, how many? 2116. 
2216, excuse me. How many people realize that that was unanimous? All five countries, Great Britain, the United States, France, uh, uh, China, and Russia. Uh, you haven't had that kind of unanimous thing since uh, July 15, 1987, with UN Resolution 598 to end the Iran-Iraq War. And before that, you have to go all the way back to the Korean War. So this has not been a marginal conflict in terms of interest and involvement and engagement by the world and the world's great powers. Uh, what about the GCC and the UN Security Council? This month, it's meeting along with the General Assembly. Yemeni delegations are here and so are yours. Uh, Patrick Mancino and I just came back two days ago uh, from New York where uh, there must have been 400 close to Saudi Arabians, uh, especially youth, uh, gathered there for a uh, conference where this issue of Yemen came up uh, from time to time. So Oman, GCC. Uh, the European Union uh, as a group, you've had conferences in London and in Amsterdam, I uh, believe, to pledge monies for Yemen, but the amount is enormous, looking like a typographical error. The amount that's really reached the uh, needy is relatively small. There's an enormous gap between the two. In my own conversations with the donors, they say, look, um, we have public opinion back home too. We do not want to see any of our aid stolen by an extremist who commits murder and we would be blamed for that you americans are sensitive to that so are we so this is one of the reasons we don't have enough people to take the money we're pledging to the people in need in Haja, Hodeida, Sada, you name Shabwa, Fayhan uh, we have to send it through others and that means we don't have control. If we don't have a control, we're at risk. These are not days where we're willing to take such a risk. And neither are you. Um, here's another one. Um, we've talked a lot about humanitarian aid and infrastructure aid and something about military dynamics. Um, but nothing about Yemen's uh, political future. What, in your view, of those of your countrymen and women, is an ideal settlement? Some have said, look, uh, the media has it all wrong. What we're trying to do is really simply secure and stabilize a border. Uh, and wouldn't you do the same if you were threatened by, say, Canada? in the north and Mexico in the south, uh, would you not want to uh, avoid having to be threatened on two opposite fronts? <clears throat> Look at it from that perspective. Um, all we're trying to do is secure that border. But the Houthis took the capital in summer, they took the weapons, the weapons were from the Soviet Union largely, and they have fired them into 
Natran area and other places across the border. Um, some others said, no, 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 we want to get to the root of this. And this is the kind of government in Sanaa. Uh, the legitimate government, uh, based now de facto in Aden and working closely with Saudi Arabia <coughs> coalition, uh, has de facto been overthrown or, let's say, sidelined, paralyzed. Uh, what do you care as to what kind of government Yemen has uh, in the near term? I mean, you have a government that says or has some people in it that we want to be like Iran. Uh, we want to restore the Zaidi Imamate. We want to give serious and favorable consideration to the establishment of a regime like the Vilayat Faqih. I don't want to be too esoteric for the audience, but like that of uh, Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini and Iran, where the uh, clerics or the jurist uh, views are infallible. Uh, this is not supported in Shia Islam or Sunni Islam or anywhere else except Iran so far. So do you care from uh, this? Um, that's the question on this. What about um, the Somalis? You mentioned in passing that Yemenis, some of them are going to Somalia. But before that, thousands, tens of thousands of Somalis have been refugees in Yemen. Uh, what about them? Uh, you want to answer any of these questions, including uh, cooperation with the United Arab Emirates, which um, has had a lot of experience, right? Afghanistan, Bosnia, Aden, elsewhere. Okay. Okay. I will uh, try to address whatever I can address. Uh, you have mentioned that. Uh, there are more than 100,000 Yemenis living in the U.S. and they are contribution to the U.S. Uh, I guess uh, growth uh, versus you mentioned 5,000 Saudis who are living in, in the U.S. I don't know the number of Saudis who are living here. Probably the embassy would, would know. Uh, but many Saudis who came to the U.S. came uh, uh, to education uh, and knowledge uh, and also went back to their country. I think if I look at it from, I guess again, uh, U.S. Udra or Hat, I would look at it from a positive side. Saudis came here, got education, got a cultural exposure, got to bring a friendship, and took that culture back to Saudi Arabia. So that brings this relation together. Likewise, we have many Americans who lived in Saudi Arabia, especially at the time of Aramco Company, and they have a cultural exposure, they have also friendship, and they went back, some of them, and some of them uh, are living in Saudi Arabia, and we welcome them. And the same thing in the medical side and others. I, I am a person who actually loves cultural exposure. Uh, Saudis take a culture back home, Americans take a culture, 
and this is how we build our relations, and that's why you have historical relations. Uh, Yemenis who are living in he, uh, here, thanks to America for having them and absorbing them. Uh, and uh, uh, I think we should look at the positive side. Saudis did not compete with the Americans in their jobs. So we should look at it that way. We should look at, look at it as positive uh, side. Now, the second question is Oman as a shadow mediator. That's the word you use. Well, we hope Oman and any other country which offers a mediation will be successful. But let's go back to the history. The history of Houthis, and I take it actually from the Minister of Foreign Relations of Yemen, over many years, before even this last conflict, have been always not abiding with agreements. If you look with Ali Abdel Saleh, they fought with him six wars. And every time they sign a peaceful agreement, but they violate this agreement. Now, there was at the beginning, we, we, if we look at, at uh, the legitimate government, I don't call it de facto, it's a legitimate by the UN organization. The, they have tried to absorb the Houthis as much as they can. During the uh, Kuwaiti uh, dialogue or negotiation, everybody agreed, including, by the way, the Houthis, but they did not sign. They got an order from a country a little bit east, and they told them not to sign. It's exactly happening every time. Everybody agrees except one body, which is Houthi Ali Abdullah Saleh. Now, shouldn't we think about why we should always address Saudi Arabia, put a finger on Saudi Arabia or, or the coalition? Why don't we now move the finger a little bit 30 degrees or 40 degrees to those who every time Security Council, Kuwait, Oman uh, negotiation and they disagree. By the way, now, I mean, recently, uh, Ismail Wadi Sheikh for Hudayda has a very good proposal. Everybody agreed. The government of Yemen agreed. Coalition agreed. Everybody agreed. Till now, the Houthis rejected that. And this is against Yemeni people. It's, it will allow Hudayda to have more capacity to, to absorb humanitarian and commercial shipments. So this is with respect to, to the mediation. So I wish Oman would be successful uh, on that. What is their GCC, the GCC role? I think GCC role has been from day one. If we look at the beginning of the uh, conflict, they are initiated, the GCC initiative and they are continuing to ensure that there is a peaceful resolution for Yemen. Nobody wants to see uh, conflict. Nobody wants to see war. By the way, we have received many rockets and, and our children, women, uh, and civilians have been killed in Saudi Arabia from rockets which have been manufactured in Iran. It's not a secret. Mm. And, and uh, uh, you have here uh, Al-Houthi statement uh, last week, they are actually threatening. They said they have now rockets that can reach Abu Dhabi, reach Dubai, and reach Riyadh. That's only last week. And they said they will send those rockets. I mean, who, they cannot manufacture that. If you tell me that a country which is poor, has cholera, has all of those issues, and they can, and they can 
manufacture long-range rockets, then they should then the money is being used in the wrong direction. We should think about the money. So uh, I think uh, the issue is from one party, and we should penalize that party. Now the EU conference. Uh, excuse me, correct it. It was in Geneva, Beijing, yeah. and I I was there. I was heading the Saudi delegation, and Saudi Arabia with UK and the US were the highest responders to that pledge. We hope to see other international community to respond. There is a big gap. Yes, it's 42 percent uh, which uh, responds, uh, unfortunately. Now, I I share the concern of the American people about uh, stealing. Okay, it's the same concern that the Saudis have that. The stealing, and you've seen the, 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 the number, the confiscation, the stealing, everything, it's by militias. They want to steal it, to sell it. By the way, some of our medical equipment has been stolen from the hospitals, and we have evidence on them, being sold, and the money is being used for, for uh, uh, arming militias. This is against in any law in the world. This is really a crime. Uh, so we hope that we will pass rigid laws which will penalize those who uh, actually steal, confiscate, or even hinder the transfer of aid to those who are in need. Now, humanitarian aid, uh, what is the political future for, for Yemen? We would like to see, I'm not, by the way, the foreign minister. I am not an ambassador. I am a simple doctor, so don't use my word as final. And uh, I hope those who are from the embassy will excuse me to address it. But uh, uh, we would like to see a stable government in Yemen that will be part of the GCC uh, team. They will be also uh, bringing stability to the country and posing no threat to the uh, neighboring country. That's what we want to see, and that's what we hope to see. We, I think the, all the negotiation, including, by the way, the legitimate government, we don't, nobody said there should be no representation of the Houthis in the government or any other party, as long as the biggest umbrella of those parties is for the well-being of Yemen, and also the coordination of the, and also, not threatening the countries around them. And we hope to see Yemen soon as a member of the GCC Council. Now, I agree with you. Houthis are both religious and political. And this is their history, by the way. It's It's not just an extension of that thinking. Uh, um, and if you look at the armed children, we have questioned some of those children that were rehabilitating. They are using the religion to convince children and their families to be part of the uh, armed uh, children in, in the conflict. Now, uh, I think the last question, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Somalis, what, what happened to them? They are, who are refugees in Yemen. And what happened to them? We have taken care of them in, in, uh, uh, in Yemen. We have supported them with both medical, with our partners, and also food supplies. 
and we have repatriated a good number of them, those who wanted to go back. We have actually repatriated them by both air and also by sea uh, uh, transport system. And we are continuing to support them, uh, both in Yemen and also those who have moved to, to Somalia in their transition time. Thank you. Well, I hope you can, in the remaining time we have, uh, take uh, four or so additional questions. Um, what's the biggest challenge to improve coordination in all of this? Um, we're talking about the short-term, medium-term, how can relief spending have the maximum long-term positive effect? Uh, what responsibility does the government of Saudi Arabia have for the cholera epidemic in Yemen that has afflicted over 600,000 people? Uh, if there wasn't such an epidemic before the coalition was formed, how can you escape the charge of some that Saudi Arabia contributed if not caused the cholera epidemic. Yeah. I answer this one. I answer this one. Yes. How would you evaluate uh, Trump's comments affecting the humanitarian gifts to Yemen? Uh, you stated that there have been 103 projects directed at women and children. Can you speak more about them uh, and the projects for women and children? And what about Saudi Arabia's experience with mares uh, and other uh, health challenges in years past? Um, any lessons gained or experienced from? Can you repeat the last question? Um, how does Saudi Arabia's experience in dealing with uh, health challenges in other countries and in Saudi Arabia, then the lessons from them, how does that inform what you have been doing and chosen not to do in uh, Yemen? Uh, what about drones? Jones, D-R-O-N-E-S, uh, which the United States has used, but Saudi Arabia has not used. How, if at all, has this uh, worsened the conflict or had no real um, impact? Um, Abu Dhabi and the UAE, I'm not sure you came to that one. Um, some reports are that it has operated really separately on its own from the coalition, especially in Aden and elsewhere with its specialization in setting up uh, medical clinics that have been harmed or destroyed. Um, there are other questions in the time we have, which you Try to address those. Uh, the biggest 
challenge to improve coordination. Let me just stress on this. I thank the, the, the person who asked this question. I think the present day and time tells us that humanitarian work cannot be done without a very well planned coordination process. And uh, uh, the countries which chose that very clearly are Yemen and Syria. Without proper coordination, there will be waste, there will be duplication, and there will be many, many difficulties and challenges. Now, the biggest way is that the partners who are working with the biggest players, uh, especially the UN, should sit together and involve both the partners and the donors in setting the planning and strategy uh, to execute the project. Uh, it's not a secret. There has been a big gap between donors and executors. It's not a secret for, for I'm sure those who work in the humanitarian work know that very well. There's a big gap between them. It's time, and we have conveyed that message with the help of our partners uh, that uh, we should have more <coughs> discussions and planning. It's starting now, and we hope now uh, 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 with the uh, present, present and the secretary who comes actually from DFID, so he knows it well, uh, uh, Mark Lukok, which uh, I respect and value uh, heavily, will bring that uh, to a better arena now. Uh, I think we should plan, sit together, discuss, and then do the, the, the execution. And we have an experience uh, at KS Relief. We have a coordinating office for the GCC countries. You asked that question. We have said that from day one. And that office, with the help of OCHA and also USAID and DFID, they are meeting almost every month, discussing the plans, ensuring which areas are, are in need. And that process has improved the delivery of aid, at least from the GCC countries uh, and also the exchange of information has been conveyed to our partners. So I hope we should we should improve in that process, which will help not only Yemenis, but we should implement it in any conflict uh, uh, zone. How do you evaluate the humanitarian gifts to Yemen? I mean, honestly, uh, we want to talk about. I'm not here to talk about the U.S. But, uh, and and their gifts and. Their, but I, I want to tell you that the U.S. and Saudi Arabia and U.K. have been on the top donors to Yemen. I mean, go and check on the FTS system and you see that. So this is something that has to be uh, acknowledged and appreciated. We should continue to do that. But we should use it to also encourage others who talk a lot but do nothing. That's my answer to that question. What are, somebody wants me to, to elaborate on our projects for women and children. We have actually a handout. I don't want, because I will talk for 10 minutes on projects. We have ready-made handouts. Please, Dr. Agil has a copy of them. If you don't have it, we will be happy to give you uh, a brochure for children and mothers. And also our email is available. We will be more than happy to give you more information on, uh, on our uh, projects. Now, what are the health challenges in Saudi Arabia? 
in the region and then we learn from them to help Yemen by all means. Luckily, I have an opportunity to be Minister of Health, so I know all the health challenges uh, of the region. I think uh, five and a half years is enough to, to work in a busy ministry to know what is needed and what is not needed. And not only that, the Ministries of Health of Saudi Arabia and the other GCC countries, including, by the way, Yemen, uh, are meeting frequently to discuss the health challenges. So we share information, we exchange information, we exchange expertise, but also we share it with our allies. I have been, when I was a Minister of Health, I have visited the U.S. two or three times. Uh, I was actually in Washington to, to exchange information with the Secretary of Health uh, at that time. So those informations have been communicated to our partners and friends and allies, and also we have given it and helped our, our uh, regional uh, partners. In Yemen in specific, we have worked heavily before the conflict to improve their health system, especially when it comes to fighting epidemics like and endemics like cholera. Dengue, by the way, is another issue in Yemen, which we are fighting. Uh, I think we are working with IMC uh, and other partners to, to as we speak, to, to help the, uh, uh, combat dengue, cholera, and malaria. Also, the GCC countries has spent millions of dollars uh, on, on fighting cholera. And Yemen was very close to be a, a malaria-free country uh, until this conflict has happened. So, who, and by the way, I know this for a fact, Ministry of Saudi Arabia and our center are still continuing many programs in Yemen to fight malaria. Uh, uh, and we have set a center in Jeza with the Liverpool School of, of Public Health to help fight malaria, especially for, for uh, Yemen. Uh, is Abu Dhabi working separately? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, as far as I know, uh, I'm not the person to, to address the coalition. What's, but as far as I know, they are uh, very well coordinated with, with each other. Uh, I did not hear anything uh, except good coordination uh, and dialogue. And actually, they are one team. Uh, and I can speak for the uh, humanitarian side. We are actually coordinating very closely with the uh, GCC countries, especially UAE, uh, and that's why the Center uh, of Coordination Hub is in uh, KS Relief, uh, which is receiving uh, good attention. Lim Marie here knows that their office is uh, of the GCC Coordinating Office is in next to her office when she was in our uh, center. I think I addressed all the questions. Thank you very much. All right, thank you.